Raiders, start your engines! Welcome to the one place everybody wants to be. Victory Lane, your source for news, analysis, discussion, interviews, and more from the world of NASCAR. Here's your host, Davey Siegel. Welcome back, party people, to the place everybody wants to be. You know it, you love it. It, of course, is Victory Lane on the road. Episode 129 coming at you. Sammy Smith is our guest. We got no Roval recap. We got no Texas preview because I am on the road, as I said. You guys follow me on any form of social media. You probably know that by now. I am out west living in an RV with Robin. It's my girlfriend for y'all who don't know, who live under a rock, and her parents. Uh, Everybody is sane. Nobody has killed each other. Everybody still likes me. It is all good. I am currently recording this. You might be like, why is he kind of like not yelling and and screaming like he usually does? Well, it is presently 8.51 p.m. in Grand Canyon, Arizona where I am recording this episode outside. It is also 39 degrees. There is some snow on the ground, so it's a bit nippy, but I don't want to annoy people inside the RV. So here I am outside recording episode 129 for you guys. All right, uh, just real quick to tell you about the trip. We've been to Zion National Park, Bryce Canyon, Horseshoe Bend, Antelope Canyon. We're in Grand Canyon right now, going to Petrified Forest and Sedona in Arizona coming up. It's been really fun, and I've really enjoyed it, Uh, and I appreciate you guys sticking along with me. I hope you saw the TikTok, did that inside the RV this week. I've been tweeting out some podcast clips from last week's episode with Santino Ferrucci, and I knew that I wasn't going to shortchange you this week. Still got an episode coming to you, and I will say this, though. 129. 29 is a special number to me for many reasons, and I told my dad, I said, Dad, for this week's Wayback segment, if you don't talk about Kevin Harvick, If you don't pay homage to Kevin, I will revoke your privileges. And that is a threat. It is not an empty threat. It is a legitimate threat. He was like, oh, no, you won't do that. I said, Dad, if you don't talk about Kevin and you don't pay homage to him for number 29, for episode 129, we're going to have a problem. Well, let's see how he did. Thank you, Duve. Welcome, everyone, to episode 129. Last week was a special one for me as we remember Davey Allison. Today should be a special one for our host, who used to have an allegiance to Card 29. Davey likes to profess annoyance with me when I highlight a lesser back-in-the-day driver instead of a more current and accomplished star. So, I could use today to talk about Dick Hutcherson, who raced the 29 car 90 times in the 60s, He won 13 times and racked up an equally impressive 60 top five finishes. That's two-thirds of all the races he ran. But I dare not do that because I think my podcast privileges would be revoked for real if I didn't devote today to Davey's favorite NASCAR driver prior to him becoming an impartial sports journalist. That would be, of course... Kevin Harvick, who ranks first for both starts and wins in the 29. Okay, here's the recap of what you likely already know. 
Harvick was working his way up the ladder when his ticket got punched too early after Dale Earnhardt's fatal crash in 2001. I was there that fateful day in Daytona. After the three car was rebranded as the 29, Harvick found victory lane in only his third cup start at Atlanta. That win has to rank as one of the most emotional in NASCAR history. He stayed with Richard Childress Racing through the 2013 season before leaving for greener pastures at Stuart Haas. That decision paid off right away as Harvick won the Sprint Cup Championship in 2014. This current season aside, he's been a perennial winner and championship contender ever since, and he's sure to be a Hall of Fame shoe-in when he decides to hang up his racing shoes. But again, you probably knew all that. What you may not know is why Davey was a Harvick fan to the extreme degree that his room could be confused with a Kevin Harvick shrine and his old email address had the handle HarvickNut29 included in it. You don't believe me? Check out the July 7, 2014 issue of ESPN the magazine and you'll see Davey Siegel highlighted as the insider of the month, pictured amongst all his posters and diecasts, paid for by me, I add, why Harvick? To answer that, we go back to that fateful day in Daytona. When the Intimidator died, Davey wasn't yet five years old. That made him old enough to start paying attention to me watching NASCAR on the weekend, but he didn't yet have a driver to root for. All the attention surrounding Earnhardt's death and Harvick's ascendancy got his attention, I'm sure, but he became a 29 superfan the following year. At the time, Davy's favorite movie, remember he was five, was E.T. the Extraterrestrial. In 2002, Kevin Harvick ran a special paint scheme commemorating the 20th anniversary of the movie. That sealed the deal, and Davy became the Harvick superfan. Still not convinced? Ask him about the best day of his life so far. I'm guessing he'll say it was November 16, 2014. On that day, he and I were in Homestead, Florida, courtesy of a contest Davey won for an all-expenses-paid trip to watch the championship race in a VIP suite. I couldn't win a free breakfast at Waffle House if I tried, and my kid enters a contest and wins that? As Kevin Harvick crossed the finish line to win his championship that day, my baby boy cried like a baby with joy. I think it may have been the first time he had been at a race where his guy won. Good timing, huh? Davey does a good job being neutral and impartial these days, but we all know who he's rooting for deep down, don't we, Mooms? Kachiga! That's all for this week, you Harvick nut. Back to you, Doof. Ah, yes. Thank you, Dad and Mom, of course. Well done. Now, if you didn't, you know how I became a Kevin Harvick super fan in my past life. You know my old email address. Uh, you know where to find me in ESPN the magazine. And you know what the best day of my life was. Uh, and no, I am not rooting for him deep down, Dad. You are wrong. As, as corny as that sounds, I am unbiased now. Those fan days are in the past. They are in my past, but in the past. You know, it doesn't happen anymore. 
Okay, so if there's any potential employers listening to this, everybody has a story about how they got into the sport. My story has to do with Kevin Harvick. He was my guy. He is not anymore. I am an unbiased reporter who does not pick favorites. That you can put on a fax. No printer. Let's start this episode off, as we always do, with a good old-fashioned... And I'm going to try to do a, uh, a muffled little... Because, again, it's 8.55. It's very dark, and I feel like there's some people sleeping around me. I'm going to throw it right to my chat with Sammy Smith. No Rover recap, no Texas preview. Going to get right down to the nitty-gritty with Sammy. He is the reigning Arca East champion for Joe Gibbs Racing. You might be saying, wait, who's Sammy Smith? Well, he's a teenager who has a lot of race car driver speak. He's got that down pat. I tried to get him to open up a little bit, get him out of his shell. I think I did an okay job of that. Talked about his career in racing, what got him started growing up in Iowa. He has Harold, Annette, and the Annettes in general as a big backer of his. How did that relationship start, and will we see that relationship continue as we move up the ranks? Probably. We'll tell you about it. Plus, racing for some big names in late models and in racing in general, the pressure that he felt or experienced while racing at Kyle Busch Motorsports, he takes us through that. Plus, his Arca East title this year, his friendship with Ty Gibbs, growing up in Iowa, as we mentioned, and what he may be doing next year on a full-time basis with Joe Gibbs Racing in the Arca Menard Series. All that and more right now, here is my chat with Sammy Smith. The champ is here. Yes, he is. 2021 Arca Menard Series East Champion is on the show with us this week. He's got a good racing name, too. Sammy Smith of Joe Gibbs Racing. How's it feel being a champ? What have these last few days been like? Uh, it feels good. You know, I was, it was probably over Monday, you know, got back to work and, and got ready for Martinsville. Uh, we finished fourth there this last weekend. So mm-hmm. it was an okay run. Felt like we uh, definitely had a better car than... Then we showed we, we lost power steering at lap 85 mm-hmm. when we were leading and uh, that kind of put us behind. But, you know, we were able to uh, bow back and never gave up and kept digging. All right. I want to start all the way back at the beginning. We're going to get to Martinsville. We're going to get to your ARCA championship and everything in between. But in the research that I saw of you, Sammy, which you're very young, so excuse me if some of this information is off because there's not a lot of stuff out there about you because you're super young. But you started this racing journey with your dad in go-karts at eight years old, and he was the one that kind of gave you the inspiration to go racing and go fast. Do I have that right? Yeah, him and uh, Mr. Annette, uh, team, the owner of TMC, got me mm-hmm. got me into it. They both uh, came to the go-kart track every week with me and, and got me into it. It was just kind of for, for fun to start, and then once I got into legend cars, it was still this kind of hobby and just having fun. And, and mm-hmm. once it started getting the late models and stuff, I felt like definitely started to become not a job, but definitely more, more serious. And then uh, definitely just working harder the more the last couple of years. And I feel like I'm definitely worked harder than ever to try to, uh, to try to do my best on and off the track to uh, try to win. What do you remember about those go-kart days though? Cause a lot of drivers that I talked to, they say that those days were some of the most pure, fun times because like you mentioned that was before it became a quote-unquote career for you and at that point you were just having fun yeah it was uh you know three or four of uh, me and my dad and, and mr ned and a couple sorry a couple other people would always go to the track and and i was young i was probably about eight probably 11 when i ran go-karts so it was a couple of years but it was always always a good time we'd always 
you know, go there, just try to try to do our best and win. It was always competitive. So it was not like we were going there to just, just run around. We always wanted to go to win and, and do our best. And uh, that's what we did. And it was always like, a good time. So from there, you like you mentioned, you move up to Legends cars and then eventually late models. Do you remember the decision-making process in terms of talking with your dad and Mr. Annette of like, okay, we think Sammy's good and you yourself saying, I like this, I'm doing well. Let's keep going with this. Do you remember those days and what the decision-making process was like? Because you had to be really young. Yeah, I got into Legend cars when I was probably about 11. Uh, we did a lot of testing and, and ran those for about three years. Um, the last year I ran, I, I ran, I think, probably 64 races and, and won, I think I won probably 25 of them. So it was a uh, definitely, that was, I felt like a little bit of a turning career or turning point in my career because yeah. I felt like the last, the first two years in Legend cars, I kind of struggled a little bit. They're, they're a tough car to drive and, and I didn't have too much experience before that. Um, so I felt like that was definitely a big confidence booster for me. Um, I think, I think the last race was in October out in Las Vegas and, and, um, I, I was winning the national championship, but I was leading going into it with, uh, coming to the white flag and blew up running second. And I had it, had it locked up and lost it, but that was, uh, that was a bad way to lose it. But, Damn. you know, then we, the next year, I think I was 15, uh, we ran speed weeks with Anthony Campy racing for the first uh, first time. And I was able to get two wins and, and get the championship at Speed Week's first time in late miles. So I think that was definitely uh, a big, big turning point to give me confidence. I can, I can do this and uh, just, just try to keep, you know, moving up and, and ran, I think pro late miles and late miles stocks that, uh -huh. that first year. And then, and then last year I ran with KBM and, and then this year running supers again and then running Arca. So it's been a pretty good, uh, journey to this point and just trying to continue it all right lots unpacked there let's go back to the legends days you're about to win the championship and you blow up in the last race yeah well, i had I think i had a 14 point lead over drew dollar we, it was me him and a couple other people that were racing pretty tight for the the, the championship at the time and uh yeah i was leading or i was running second in the race but i just had to outrun him and i was running second um, and coming to the white flag, we blew up and then lost it. So that was a, that was a tough way to lose it. Yeah. Coming to the white in the final race. Yeah. Jeez. Had you had engine yeah, was... trouble like before? Uh, not, we ran the road course nationals. They didn't like week, like one week and they ran the other week. Yeah. Um, so we just stayed out there. We, we blew up one motor out on the road course, but before that we never had any issues. So it was, a. Uh, stuff so you're what uh 14 at this point 15 um i was 14 yeah I, I think i was 14 um i think i was 15 actually at the time maybe okay. i don't i'm trying to think well, regardless what is a what does a yeah. 14 or 15 year old kid do when you see a championship in your grasp and then completely just go out the door not of your own doing by the way i mean that's got to be terrible yeah, it was uh, definitely, I definitely was not happy. And I kind of, I honestly threw a little bit of a fit. I was, I was frustrated. Uh, Slugger Labby was there. Um, he, we're good friends with him. And he's definitely one of my biggest mentors uh, and helped me quite a bit through my career. So he was there because they were, he's does the drag race inside of things. So he was there. Yeah. Um, they were drag race was out in Vegas as well. So he was there and, and he talked to me and was, was telling me it's going to be all right. You're going to have many of these days to come. So I felt like that was definitely uh definitely a big 
thing for him to tell me and then I just moved on from it and and luckily I was able to go to New Smyrna in a couple couple months later and win that championship in the prolate model. I know that it hasn't been super long since that happened and there's definitely been some other things that will happen along the way and and here said she said but was that probably up to this point the maddest that you've been or the most frustrated that you've been with this whole journey of racing because you've had a ton of success you're gonna have a ton more but as you know, it's not all peaches and cream all the time, and, and there's got to be valleys when you have your peaks. Yeah, it was definitely frustrating. I think uh, I feel like it's just it was part of it, you know, nothing. We were, we were doing what we needed to do, and it happened. And I think at the time, I, I was a little more frustrated just because I was so young and, and wanted to win very badly. And, um, you know, I think I'd probably, if it was today, I would have handled it a little bit better. But, yeah. um, you know, just moved on from it and uh, kept digging. All right, so after that, you move up to late models, as we mentioned, and you have driven for and continue to drive for a who's who list of people, right? We got Barry Nelson, Marcus Richmond, Kyle Busch, Donnie Wilson. I mean, these are big, big teams, big names in the world of late model racing and short tracks across the country. Looking back on that list of names for a teenager that you are now, right, still a ton of work left to do to hone your craft and I know you, the sky's the limit for you, but to see where you've been up to this point in your career, you got to say, oh, my God. I mean, these these are literally Hall of Fame-type names, some of the greatest names, minds, crew chiefs, owners, what have you, in the sport of automotive racing in America. I mean, this is a who's who list, and you've gotten to work with a handful of them. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I feel like, you know, definitely you got to be you gotta be with good teams. I feel like when, when we started going into the late models, we – we always looked at it as, you know, I feel like if I'm with the best team and let me develop, we can, you can take all the excuses out of it and, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and just keep working at it and try to get, try to get better. But I feel like that was the biggest thing. It's just, you got to be with good teams. And I've, yeah. I've luckily been able to be with, uh, amazing teams up to this point in my career. So I feel like that's the biggest thing, you know, just, just try to do everything I can do on and off the track and, and just try to take all the excuses out of it and, and, uh, just try to go out there and win every time, every chance I get so I, I sent some race car driver speak in you. That's very good. It's very corporate proud of you for that. And I also read somewhere that you didn't really feel any pressure driving for Kyle Busch Motorsports. I don't know if I believe you because there's pressure there, whether you like it or not. I know that there is. Yeah, there definitely was. I felt like over the year me, or over the last year, uh, me and Kyle developed a good relationship. I still, mm -hmm. we still text back and forth to some, probably a couple times a month. Um, but I feel like we've, we've definitely, he helped me a lot through my career uh, last year, making me try to try to make me a better driver. I think we struggled a little bit um, just with them, not, uh, they they didn't run much the last couple of years. So we, we tried to uh, do our best with what we had and then definitely I was learning and the team was learning. Um, but, you know, it was a little bit of a struggle year, but I felt like that definitely character build me um, for, for this year. I wanted to come out and, and win uh, worse than ever. And I feel like that's yeah. probably, I don't think I'd change that if I, if I knew it today. I feel like the, the general public is seeing a different side of Kyle now that he has Brexton in his life and he's matured a little bit. He obviously has had his truck team for a while, shutter his late model operation. But when you were racing for him, you're a young guy coming up through the ranks. He's trying to mentor you. You mentioned you still have a relationship with him. So when you were driving for his team, how did you lean on him? What advice did he give you? What did you learn from him in that time? Because there's no better mind to learn from than Kyle Busch. 
Yeah, I would, I would always, you know, before the races, ask him or call him. Um, I feel like he's probably been to every single one of the tracks we ran. I think he came testing with us a lot, and I think he ran probably four or five times with us. Yeah. So he was always there and then just trying to make the team better and make me better. Um, so I think, you know, that was the biggest thing. He was always he, – he wanted to to help it and uh, help be part of the, the cause and fix it. So I felt like that was probably one of the biggest things. He just – he knew that he wanted to help us, so – definitely i feel like has taught me a lot um to this point so you mentioned the pressure right i mean anytime you race for kbm there's an expectation there that you're not just going to win races but you're going to dominate you're going to win multiple races you're going to contend for championships lead the most laps put an ass whooping on on the field right but with that pressure and that expectation it makes you find a different gear pun intended you know what i mean like you can find something deep within you because you know that you have the car underneath you you know you have the crew chief and the team behind you. You just got to go out and do your job. So in a way, once you got past that threshold of like, all right, it's a little nerve wracking driving for KBM, you probably ended up getting into kind of a sweet spot saying, you know what, I'm confident in my abilities. The car is what it is. Let's go out and do this thing. And that's part of the reason why you probably had so much success, right? Yeah, I think, you know, it was definitely – it was an up and down year. I think, you know, start the year speed weeks, first race, we were able to win my first super start. So that was definitely a a high right off the bat. And then I think after that, we kind of, we struggled a little bit. Um, you know, Kyle would always try to come to the races and help, but he would race and we both kind of struggled. Um, I felt like it definitely, we up and down year, we, we ran, I felt like pretty good at most of the big race. If we had a couple tires go down, we had a tire go down, Bristol ran second we had a tire go down. At Winchester running second, um, and then we had the engine belt come off at All American running third. So I felt like it was we had our highs and lows of the the season. I think we finished second five times. So it definitely was a good season overall. We we I learned a lot, um, you know. And then obviously this year we they they shut the team down or mm. closed just stopped running supers. Um, so I moved over to Donnie's, and I felt like that was they you know Donnie was really good last year too. So. Yeah, I felt like that was probably the best option to go to Donnie, um, just with running the same same chassis and and then so forth. So I think um, it was definitely definitely lucky to be able to run for him this year and work with Bon Seuss has definitely made a a big difference in my career. So when KBM decided to shut other doors for the Super Team, I assume you didn't really have to search very long, and you may have had an inkling that this was coming. So you had been talking with Donnie and Wilson Motorsports for probably a couple weeks at that point. And when they shuttered their doors, you weren't scrambling to find a ride, right? You kind of had this set up. Yeah, no, actually it didn't. It shut down pretty, pretty late. Uh, they, okay. they were struggling to find personnel. Um, I think they needed three or four guys in a crew chief. So it was uh, definitely, it was last, I say, I think it was maybe three weeks before speed weeks. So oh, wow. it was definitely, it was later. Um, but I felt like really you know, Donnie, <laughs> Donnie didn't really have anything either going on. So it was kind of a, a perfect match and then we were luckily yeah. able to get bon Seuss to crew chief me for the season and uh it's been i feel like pretty good we we've technically won three but we got we got disqualified at uh um pensacola at the blizz first blizzard race for um so car, some carburetor issues but you know i feel like it's been a decent decent year so far and i'm looking to uh try to close out on these couple of last big races these end of the year i mentioned all those owners that you've driven for Really, really big names. Bond is another big name who's your crew chief now with Donnie's team. He is a short track legend, just like all the other guys that I mentioned. 
working with him has to have been a blast. I've heard so many stories over the years from younger drivers, older drivers, mechanics, media members. What's it like having him being the one to call the shots and tinker on your race car? Yeah, it's awesome. I feel like, you know, going to the track, he's got, he's got the best car or, you know, he's going to give it a hundred percent every week. Um, you know, bring the, try to bring the best car he can to the track. And, and most of the time it's spot on. We've struggled a little bit this year, a couple tracks, but we, you know, we always improve. Um, I think, you know, we've, We've won three races and, and finished second, I think, two or three times. And, and mm -hmm. it's been definitely, for for me, it's been big because he works with me outside the track quite a bit on the weekdays, trying to trying to prepare me, give me the best I can, learn learn more about the car, um, you know, what changes do what and, and what does what on the car. So I feel like that was definitely a big thing for me is just trying to learn as much as I can from a, a great guy like him. And, and it's definitely definitely been a, a game changer, I feel like, in, for this year's season. And at the World Series this year at New Smyrna, you won the Pro Late Model Championship. That was with Donnie, right? Like, that wasn't with KBM. That was this year. No, that was the first year I ran Late Models. That was, so that was with in... Kyle? No, that was Aunt Campy. Oh, okay. So that was, what, 2019 19. then? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And I Got was it. 14 at that time. I was turning 15 that year. Got so. it. 14-year-old yeah. Pro Late Model Champ at the World Series of Asphalt pretty good resume builder right there yeah it was a uh, definitely a good good way to start off my late model career for sure was that like your first laps in a late model like in competitive competition was that at new smyrna or did you have some races under your belt no that was the first i think i won the fourth race and then we won the hundred lapper um so i felt like i think we, we tested probably three to four days before probably a couple weeks before that um mm -hmm. No, obviously the first three races, I think I finished like fifth, seventh, and third, and then yeah. we were able to win the fourth night and then win the 100 lapper. Gotcha. All right, let's stick to some late model stuff before we head over to the NASCAR side, talk about ARCA, dressed for the occasion, as you can see. Uh, you mentioned Martinsville, right? This past weekend, prestigious late model race there. I wasn't able to watch because I was busy doing some other stuff for NASCAR.com, but you had some power steering issues and you finished the race, and that happened while you were leading, so clearly pretty eventful night for you take us through it yeah it was a pretty good weekend overall i ran with uh chad bryant uh he has a late model stock so i ran with him this weekend um it was a good 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 weekend i think we started out practice a little bit struggling i think we were 27th um in practice it was so tight i think we were two tenths off and was 27th i think there was 82 cars so it was tight we know we just had to be perfect um and then going into qualifying we made good adjustments and qualified was able to qualify seventh um, and then we started second in the first heat race and was able to, uh, to take the lead on, on a restart, um, and win that. And that put us, set us up pretty good to start third, to start the race. We weren't very good. We fell back to, I think the fifth, we fell back to fifth to about, about lap 50. And then, uh, the lap fifth or lap 75, lap 75 it was, cause then they did the, the, the break. Right. Um, right. and then I think me and, and six other cars stayed out. So I restarted second, um, was able to get the lead on the restart. I think it led about 10 to 15 laps um, and was leading and then it started to go out. I mean, I was, I was doing my best to try to do everything, but I felt like when me and Lane were so close that it was, it definitely made a big difference because I had to just stop it to get it to turn in the corner. So he was able to get by me. Um, then I got back to third and, and got really loose. So I was trying to pass for second. And, and when I got loose, I already had like seven o'clock a wheel in it. <laughs> and couldn't really get back right when I got loose. So I had to check up big and, and fell back to ninth. And, and we rode there till about the 
150 brake. Um, and then we were, we tried to change it. We got, we got the old pump off and got the new one on, but they didn't have time to, to, um, bolt it down and get it tight. So they, yeah. they put vice grips on it. Um, I'll send you a picture, but the vice grips held it for the last 50 and it, it still didn't really work. It, I had power steering on the straightaway, but when I got in the corner, um, I didn't have it at all, which it was a little better than what I had. Cause I didn't have it you at all. You kind of needed in the corners though. Straightaways, whatever. Yeah. But it was, it, it, I had it so I could kind of turn in and then it would like block out at like, I think a 10 o'clock it stopped okay, working. Yeah. So I had it for, for a little bit, which was better than what I had. Um, and we I think we restarted 15th with 50 to go and I was able to get back up to Ford. So we, we had a really good car. We just, mm-hmm. we, we, the power steering issue, I think got us and, and obviously, you know, could have said we could have won, but you know, obviously we didn't. So, you know, I felt like we had a car to win, but. You know, we'll, we'll take what we what we got with the fourth place. Had you ever lost power steering before? I have not. That was the first time, and I'd, I'd say that was probably the worst track you could have lost today because it was. It was Bristol would have been bad too. Bristol would have been bad, I think, just with all the load and yeah, and and how much you had to hustle it there. But mm-hmm. there's definitely, I feel like, you know, all the working out I do and, and training, I feel like paid off because I was able to able to get through it and and not have uh, any issues. So it was good. I was going to say, you went to the gym before we started this conversation. You don't even need to. You got your upper body workout on Saturday night or Friday, whatever yeah. it was. Yeah, it was uh, definitely probably the hardest I ever had to drive because I think I had Mike Looney behind me for 50 laps, and we were able to keep him in front of us. But it was it was definitely challenging to keep him behind me um, without power steering for sure. But definitely uh, he's a great driver himself, so that was yeah. tough. Is that Martinsville race high up on your bucket list? Because you've won a lot of prestigious races, and I know there's still a lot that you want to win, but Martinsville's is pretty as good as it gets in terms of local late model racing. Yeah, I think so. Obviously, I felt like it was going to be tough to win it going into it. I think you know I had the same mindset as I do every week going to race. I think I can, I think I can win, and we were we were good, and we had to, we had the car to do. It. Just those issues took us out of it. I think um, you know obviously anyone. Any race you go into, you want to win, but I feel like that's definitely one that that's circled on my bucket list, and I'll try. Hopefully, if the schedule lines up next year, I'll go back there and try to try to do it again. So let's talk NASCAR. Let's talk ARCA East. I know that the decision to go ARCA East racing that was kind of always in the background, right? I mean, people at that up until this point, right? They knew you from late model stuff. They knew you from short tracking, but decided to make that step to run in the ARCA East series. When did the decision, though, get finalized to make that happen? And I think that you didn't necessarily have it set in stone that you were going to do the full ARCA East season, which was only a handful of races. So when did that decision kind of get finalized, and when did you say, all right, let's do this full board, let's go for this championship? Yeah, you know, last year, Ty, me and Ty have been friends for probably about a year or two years. Um, You know, last year we were pretty close and got to know each other pretty well um he was talking about you know trying to maybe have me come over and then do um you know the east because he wasn't going to be able to run all the east races for the for the championship because the, the xfinity schedule so you know we, we we worked on that and tried to uh do that and we we got we we're able to do that and we only had i think five of them planned uh right out of the bat just because they gives didn't know if they had the personnel to do to do the last three races with ty being there as well so mm-hmm. uh you know the first first race was really good um coming out um was able to i feel like we should have won that one got screwed on that but um and then i think we won the next three 
and finished fourth at Dover. So it was it was definitely a good good first five races, and I think that set us up for a good um, good last three races. It was tough just because I had uh, different different crew, different different crew chief, um, Jamie Jones, did a good job with what he had. I felt like he, you know, none of them worked at Gibbs, so it was all just guys that he had come over. Um, oh, wow. So it was, you know, the, the 18 team would set it up at the shop and then they would all just show up on the, the race yeah. day and, and do it. Um, it was, I felt like the first two races were a little bit of a struggle, just trying to get, get in the motions and, and do with what we had. Um, but I felt like the last race of Bristol was, was pretty good. We were able to, uh, to run one, two there and then finish it off. So I felt like. So yeah, like you mentioned, runner up at New Smyrna to start things out and then you win three of the next four. And I know that, you know, ARC in general gets a bit of a bad rap for being top heavy and equipment based. And I'm not saying any of those things are false, but at the same time, you clearly were the dominator of the series, right? I mean, nobody goes out there and wins three of the next four races, their first time in a full bodied NASCAR type stock car, right? So clearly you guys at JGR, regardless of what crew was at the track, how much experience you had, you knew at that point that you were the dominator of the series. And that had to be a pretty good feeling coming into that series as a rookie. Yeah. I think, you know, going on the year, obviously there was, a, there was definitely a little bit of pressure, you know, cause Ty, he was winning about every race he got in For last sure. year. Um, so I felt like, you know, I needed to, to, to try to do the best I can and do my part to, uh, you know, bring, it was going to be the same team for those first five races with Mark and, and the whole 18 team. So I knew I had the same equipment, same everything. So I felt like I just needed to go out there and, and do my job. And we were able to, to do that, I feel like, you know, should have won New Smyrna uh, or was able to win the next three. And then uh, definitely there was a little bit of pressure there because Ty, how good he did last year and uh, what with what he had. And I knew I was going to get in the same equipment. So I I felt like there was a little pressure, but I felt like those first five tracks, I was able to get a lot of experience on, on um, you know, super late models and pro late models. So I knew I had the track time. It was just, it was getting used to the big, heavy stock car and, yeah, and doing what I needed to do, and then luckily it, it, it all worked out good, and was able to uh, to get three three out of the three wins through the season. So it was good. Did you enter the year thinking that a championship was like the goal, a possibility, something unattainable? Where did you fall in terms of when the year started at New Smyrna, saying like, okay, I think this is an attainable goal? Because at that point, you didn't even know if you were going to run the full year. So where did you stand on that? Yeah, it was the goal from from when I started. I was, I think, I had the goal to set out to win the championship and then to win, you know, at least four races. Trying to win on the all four, all the short tracks I've ran on before, which we were close to doing. We won three out of the the four, I think. Yeah. Because um, I knew I knew running with Ty and running with the Arc would have been a lot tougher, just with, um, you know, he's got more experience. Um, and then the bigger tracks I haven't been on, so. I knew that air would have been a, b- a bigger issue, just trying to get used to that, um, run around people. So, I mean, I felt like it went good. We we were able to finish fourth at Dover. Um, at Iowa, we were running, I think, fourth and, and blew a right rear. Um, it cost us the race there. We, we didn't finish that race. but And then in Milwaukee, we finished fourth, I think. And, um, and then at Bristol, we finished second. So it was definitely a good year. I felt like I definitely checked a lot of my boxes off. I wish I could have probably... <laughs> Tried to compete a little bit more tie those last three races, but, um, you know, I feel like I learned a lot. So that was really all that matters, I guess. At what point in the year did you realize, okay, we got this thing in the bag. All all we got to do is show up, do what we're capable of. I got to do my job. I know the team's going to do theirs. Everything else will fall into place. I I imagine it had to be pretty early. 
Yeah, probably after Southern National when we won that one. That was our third one we won. Um, and then going into Iowa, I think we're going into, I think it was Iowa, then Milwaukee. Yeah, it was Iowa, then Milwaukee. I feel like we could have locked it up after Iowa. Or after Milwaukee, we had a bad point stay at Iowa. And then I think we we're 24 to the good after Milwaukee. So I feel like if we didn't have that 18th place finish at Iowa, we could have locked it up right after Milwaukee. But you know, I knew we just had a, to do our job at Bristol, and I felt like there really wasn't any pressure. Just had to go out there and, and do what I've done all year, and, uh, you know, we were able to do that. So it was good. That Bristol burnout was so sick. You guys planned that, yeah. right? You had to have planned that. Yeah, he said before the race, if, you know, if we have a, a good day and do what we need to do, we, he, he, he suggested it, and I said, yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, well, so you guys finished one, two. Best friends, that's goals right there. And then you do a little burnout at the start finish line, which is the better number though for you? Do you like 81 or do you like 18? Which is better? Uh, I mean, I 81 was the number I, I started in late models with Anthony camping. So that was, okay. you know, going to 81, I felt like it was a good number for me. Just, you know, I think I won four races with him. So that was a, that was a good number for me. And obviously 18 was a good number too. So obviously mm -hmm. it's just a number and yeah, it's just uh, go out there and do your job in either car. So, I'm surprised you don't have like a big old picture of that burnout plastered behind you. Maybe it's in front of you. I don't know. I feel like you need to get that on a print and put it up everywhere in your house. I mean, that's, that is the picture that tells a thousand words. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, uh, I think we're getting a picture made and, and that's definitely definitely going to be cool for, to look back as for me and Ty's friendship, uh, was cool to, to do that. So let's talk about your friendship with him. Um, I have in my notes, you guys seem to be best friends. Uh, confirmed you are best friends. You've known each other for a little bit over a year now. How did that relationship begin, though? Because now, looking from the outside, right, you both are teammates. You're both at JGR. You're both winning races. But he obviously has been with that team his entire life. And you're a bit new to the organization. So how did you guys meet for the first time? Yeah, I think, you know, we've been friends for probably a little over two years. Um, last year, 2019, I would always talk to him on and off. And then we started to play I racing together, played Xbox and stuff like that. And then when I started to go down to more in North Carolina more, we just started to hang out and, and, uh, definitely grew a friendship. And then obviously when we became teammates, I think that came was better. Um, you know, he's helped me a lot through this year, just trying to get me acclimated to the, the different tracks and car and, and what I need in a car to be able to, uh, to win with him and him and Mark have definitely worked with me a good amount. And then obviously mm -hmm. my spotter, Frankie Kimmel, he's, he's worked with me a good amount as well to, to try to, uh, you know, eliminate all the mistakes on track and, and, and go into it and, and try to be perfect and, and win every, lead every lap and win, every, and win all the races. So I felt like we did a, a decent job of that. I wish we could have ran, you know, obviously a little better those last three races or two races, Bristol or Iowa, Milwaukee, but um, we, we, did, we did what we needed to do. So that was good. Do you race him differently? Do you race him harder because you know that beating him will give you that much more satisfaction from a competitive standpoint and also to beat your best friend? That's got to feel pretty good. I mean, a little bit, you know, he's got a, he's really good and got a lot of experience. So I felt like uh, it was going to be tough to beat him. I felt like he had a little bit of a car at, at Bristol. Um, you know, I'm not going to, I wasn't going to do anything to put ourselves, put me and him in a bad right. spot. You know, obviously right. I'm not going to, I'd probably race him a little bit different than everybody else just because, you know, he's a teammate and, you know, you got to, you know, at the end of the day, you got to take care of your teammates and then try to, you know, at the end of the day, you really want to finish one, two um, as a team to try to, you know, it's kind of the goal for anything. If it's me, one, or he, one, at the end yeah. of the day, it really doesn't matter. Just 
just need to do that. And I feel like, you know, it's probably, you know, I didn't go into a race and thinking, you know, I just need to run second all race. It just, I felt like, you know, I didn't really have, have the car to do it, uh, to get the job done where we fought a little bit too tight. Um, but then the day was a good day. Ty's perception, right. From the outside, maybe a spoiled rich kid with a famous grandpa and he's never had to work hard for his ride. And of course he wins a lot cause he's in the best stuff. But I feel like you're the perfect person to ask because yes, you're biased. You love him, but you see a different side of him, right? And you, you see him working in the trenches, studying film, working in the gym, doing all these different things to better himself as a race car driver. So do you think Ty gets a bit of a bad rap in terms of the public perception? Do you think that he actually does work his butt off and he really is this down to earth, humble kid, not like the media yeah. kind of portrays him sometimes? Yeah, he's a, uh, you know, really good kid. He, he works extremely hard. I feel like going into the year I, I've worked extremely hard, but you know, from, from getting to know him a little more and, and getting to hang out with him, he, he's rubbing off on me a little bit and I feel like I need to, <laughs> you know, pick, pick up what I need to do. And I have, um, you know, trying to work extremely hard to, to try to beat him. Um, you know, he, he works really hard at it. Um, he's a good kid and, and always, always isn't good to me. Always been a good teammate. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, just, uh, you know, I think people are going to say what they want to say, but at the end of the day, you know, you just, who, you know, who cares really? I mean, yeah. you, you do you and that's really all that matters. If, uh, if you have to worry about those people, then, feel like you probably got probably got bigger issues but you know at the end of the day you know just do it do what makes you happy and then what uh what you want to do and, and that's all that matters really i feel you keeping it 100 here i love it who else are you close yeah. with i assume some young toyota drivers that you see at trd and race with on track i'm sure there's got to be some other ones that you're close with besides ty yeah really just him and, and drew dollar we're all really close friends i think that's that's all really. I mean, that's all I really hang out with when I go down to North Carolina. I'm still living in Iowa, so I'm not I'm not down there much. But when I do, I feel like those are the three or the two friends that I hang out the most. Um, but that's really it, you know. Yeah, that's like what I was going to ask too. So currently, are you in North Carolina? or Are you home in Iowa? I'm at home in Iowa. Gotcha. So. Okay. So what? So you go down to North Carolina just every now and then to? I go down probably two or three days before every race before a super or an arc race. And okay. then I'll just go with them, go with the team. Um, so I'm, I'm down there quite a bit. Um, and then I go down for simulator whenever I need to get in there, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm feel like I'm down there a good amount for what I need to do. And, uh, hopefully probably once I get done with school or a little before it next year, I'll, I'll move down there. So. Cool. Well, let's talk yeah. about Iowa. You're from Des Moines, right? The Midwest is a bit of a hotbed for, short track racing, local racers, and there's been a lot of racing talent that has come out of the Midwest. You don't hear a ton, though, about the state of Iowa specifically. I think Iowa gets a bad rap, too. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, corn, whatever. No, I yeah. went to Iowa. It's more than corn. We get it, right? Um, but, like, growing up, what was the racing scene like around you? Because I know there's Iowa Speedway. Everybody knows that track. But besides that, are there much race tracks around you specifically, or did you have to travel around the Midwest? um legend cars I, I started out running hawkeye downs for about a year it's about two years um and then that last year we didn't run there at all we, we started going to elko speedway um just felt like it was better competition and and more more car count but i feel like you know the only two asphalt tracks i know of in iowa are hawkeye downs and iowa speedway but other than that it's it's just dirt tracks and and i felt like you know i never really ran dirt i just didn't raise that way i feel like i was more uh, starting go-karts and then 
ran a little bit of dirt on go-karts, but that was about it. Um, and then obviously moved to legend cars and, and late models. So never really ran, never ran sprint cars, never ran on, on dirt at all. So I think, um, I always traveled around to, to go race. Um, and, and that was probably the biggest thing I never really, ever haven't really much, ran much this year or in Iowa, I guess, but, um, it's definitely, uh, it's good, good for training in the summertime because it gets hot. I bet. I bet. Uh, one of the biggest names to come out of the state of Iowa was Michael Annette. Obviously his dad, you mentioned Mr. Annette, he's been very instrumental to you and your development throughout your career from a financial perspective, obviously, but also just from a personal perspective and supporting you. And that support is totally, totally invaluable. How did that relationship start? How did you guys meet for the first time and how did he take an interest in your racing? Uh, yeah, my dad grew up with him, uh, when he was younger, he was like a second dad to him. So my dad has always known him until, I mean, my dad was probably, I think eight or nine when he was first, uh, introduced to Mr. Annette and then obviously up to, up to my dad now. And then obviously he, he started him, got me in go-karts, him and my dad. Um, but I felt like he's definitely, you know, I sadly he passed away a couple of months ago that that was kind of a, a shame, but I feel like he, he definitely is a person I looked up to every day. Um, and, and definitely has, has made me one of the people I am today just because of, uh, you know, everything he stood for. And obviously it was a, uh, between him and my dad, it was, they, they got me into racing and then definitely, uh, going to try to keep making him proud. Yeah. How many races did he, uh, come out to see you at? Cause I feel like he's, he would, anytime he could be at a racetrack, I feel like he was going to be there. Yeah. He would always come out probably the first two years in go-karts and my dad would always, we would go up to, uh, different go-kart tracks, asphalt. There was actually one asphalt track up in Jamaica, Iowa, uh, that we ran the go-karts at. And then there's three. But uh, I think it just closed down a while ago. So back to two. But uh, back <laughs> to two. So we, he, him, and my dad would always go up there with me. He would always come with us, and and even when my dad was gone, um, having to go to NASCAR races and stuff, um, he would take me in, and we would always get tests. And he would always, uh, you know, just coach me and try to try to make me a better driver. And I, he definitely has um, always given me insight. He grew. He's been around his whole life, so he knows. Um, a lot about it and uh, i feel like he definitely has helped me a lot through my career was was racing always going to be it for you like did you play any other sports did you have any other interests or was it always going to be racing uh i played hockey for a while i started uh when i was probably about seven you and annette um, you and the annettes you're closer than we think yeah and my my other cousin my dad's uh brother's son is actually he plays um in the nhl he plays for the Carolina Hurricane just got traded there this year. So, oh, sweet. Um, he's just at Buffalo's uh, CJ Smith. So, cool. Yeah. He, he, uh, I, I feel like I got that more the hockey side from him. Um, yeah. but definitely, uh, I played hockey up till a couple years ago and I decided to, uh, stop pedal racing. So, like, I, uh, had, had more passion and, and love doing racing more than playing hockey, but it was, uh, it's good. Did you see Michael's cane that he had when he was at Watkins Glen? You saw that? Yeah, yeah, the hockey stick. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. I like that. Are you a um? Yeah. Are you a Wild fan? Like, who do you root for up there? Uh, I mean, honestly, I don't really. I mean, probably, I was Buffalo Sabres fan just because my cousin yeah, played there. Yeah, root for there, whoever but, CJ plays for. <laughs> yeah, but I honestly, I mean, we would always go to games when I was younger, but I I usually don't sit down on 
yeah on weekdays and watch games like that so i mean there was always uh it's kind of just you know watch watch whenever he played and stuff so that was about it what about growing up and watching racing was there anybody that you tried to emulate or that you like specifically more than others did you have a favorite driver yeah i was you know looked up to Jimmy johnson i felt like he his work ethic was was really big and i feel like that's kind of what i aim for is you know you gotta if you want you know you can have a lot of talent but you gotta work hard at the same time and and just try to outwork everybody um mm-hmm. and, and i feel like he really really did that and i feel like that's why i look up to him probably the most or don't look up to him probably just he's my favorite driver um but I feel like that's the biggest thing just uh his worth ethic and, and how hard he worked to uh to get it have you gotten to meet him yet i have not that's on your bucket list too. I feel like Ty's yeah. grandpa could help somehow. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely would like to meet Jimmy one day. What about uh, meeting Joe Gibbs for the first time? It. I feel like that may have been a little strange too, because it's like, okay, it's my friend's grandpa, but it's also my team owner who can probably get me to where I want to go in my career. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The first time I met him was Dover. Um, he was there and and talked to him for a little bit, and then at Bristol he was there, um, and I was able to talked to him a little bit after the race and it was really cool for him to be there. And, and, uh, I was glad to able to get the championship for, uh, for the team. It was pretty cool. What do you want to do in the future? I mean, I assume any young driver, their goal would be get to the cup series, win a cup championship. There's a lot of roads that are windy, a lot of peaks and valleys to get to that point, but you're really young. You've just won an Arkham Menard series East championship on paper. The sky's the limit talking to you. I can tell you, you got a good head on your shoulders and, you're ready for the long haul here. So what are your goals, long-term and short-term? Let me hear them. Uh, you know, just to, you know, keep moving up the ladder and, and honestly just be successful. I feel like that's the biggest thing. I don't want to I don't want to go and, and, and run cup and, and run run in the back. I want to go there to, to win races and try to win a championship. So I feel like, you know, I feel like I need to uh, definitely keep working hard and, and, and hopefully, uh, you know, move up, keep moving up and, you know, trucks, Xfinity and cup and, and, and just – Overall, just just winning everything I try to get in, you know, that's really all that matters to me is winning and and trying to do my best to do that um, and and just giving it everything I have and know that when I go home from the racetrack and to know that I I did everything I could to to try to win and and if I didn't, I feel like I just I'll go back and work two times as hard and to try to uh, to try to to do that next time. I'm smiling because I feel like Ty says the same thing verbatim. Like you guys are carbon copies. He says that all the time, whatever. Cause I asked him, right. He's having all this success. And I'm like, tight. This is not sustainable. You're going to finish second sometime. You're going to crash out. You're not going to have good days. So how do you, how do you reconcile with that? And he said the same thing. He was like, you know, I just work two times as hard. I just want to win and everything I get in. You guys are one and the same. That's why you're so good. That's why you're so close. Yeah. I think that's definitely, uh, definitely why, you know, I think he, he, he definitely he wants to win as bad as I do, and and yep. I think that's why uh, you know like we we um, we succeed on track. I think it all has to do off with all off track and in preparation. So I think that's honestly the biggest thing. What's your favorite track that you've ran on so far in your career? Um, probably Bristol or Dover. I really liked uh, I like Bristol. I ran there in the Super last year, and mm-hmm. it's fun. I think probably my favorite short track is is either Nashville. Or, or new some or another they're really fun tracks so i enjoy doing those tracks you say you ran bristol in a super late model yeah it was it was fast i going there i was, I was like after your first practice i was like man this is way slower than a super late model because i think this the super we were running like 
I think it was speeds to the cup cars. The pole speed, I think, was faster in the, the super than it was a cup car. I was going to so say, you was, probably ran like 13, 14 second laps. Yeah, it was faster. I think it was a couple of tenths, or one or two tenths faster, I think, in a super than it was a cup car. So Man. it was fast, and, and it, was, it was a lot of fun. Don't want to lose power steering there. <laughs> no, that would that would be awful. Yeah, that would not be good. All right, so that's your favorite track. How about over the years, the favorite vehicle or the favorite car that you've driven? Legends, late models, uh, Arca Menard Series East car, whatever you've driven that I haven't talked about before. What's your favorite car? Um, probably, I'd say probably uh, the the super. The super is a lot of fun. I, I enjoy running the the late or the uh, late model stock. I, I really enjoy running all of them. But I say probably my favorite is probably the super late model. It's just it's the competition is really really tough, and the tracks they go to are fun. And I really yeah. really enjoy um, the super. It's just a lot of fun. You can't say Ty, but besides Ty, the toughest competitor that you've raced against so far. Probably Barbara Pollard or Stephen Nassie. Yeah, saw they're, that one coming. They're, <laughs> yeah, they're. They're tough to uh, to compete against in the super level, so I, I probably feel like those two um, in the super late model, and then um, you know, obviously, tie in the the Arca car. What do you like to do away from the track? You used to play hockey. You don't do that anymore. You don't really watch hockey. You work out. Uh, you don't need to when you lose your power steering. What do you do away from the track? What do you do to have fun? Um, honestly, just racing. You know, I got a go kart. I actually bought uh, Ty's older. He got a shifter cart and I got his tag. I bought his tag cart um, at the beginning of the year, and I've been out there quite a bit at GoPro running that. Um, you know, just trying to trying to get better as a driver and yeah. and work on that. Um, I do that probably a couple times a week when I'm in North Carolina. Um, you know, I I enjoy working out and I running i racing, um, play Xbox a little bit. But other than that, it's really really all racing. I do I'm doing score right now, but um, you know when I'm not doing school, it's, it's really all about racing how old are you right now i'm 17 17 okay when do you turn 18 no next june next june okay so middle of the summer next year i assume and correct me if i'm wrong uh the plan is once you turn 18 are you going to be full-time arkham menard series the big series the 20 races a year series is that the plan right now yeah next year i'll probably run i think the deal was 22 race i'll run the east again and then i'll run start the try to run every arca race i can until i turn 18 i think i'll probably miss mr four of them just because of the mm. the age i won't be able to make that but you know that's the plan to try to go do that and, and obviously i won't be able to run for a championship but just to try to go out and, and try to win every race well i was gonna say are there is there a rule that if you don't start every race you're not championship eligible? Because seeing what you did this past year, I feel like even if you missed a handful of races, you still could contend. Yeah, I don't think there is a rule. I think now, you know, our in the past used to be like five positions per per spot. So I think in the years of time it used to be tougher, but I think, you know, obviously never know. Could could be possible, but you know, we really I think have you could to be already games. I I think it could too. It's just it'd, it'd be definitely tough. I think I don't know how Depends on the schedule. I hopefully only miss, yeah, you know, three. But if it if it doesn't line up, then I'll probably miss five or so. But um, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, last thing for me, I, I wish I asked this earlier when we were talking about the Arca stuff, right? Um, when we we're talking about Ty and how he's in the best stuff, of course he's going to win. That's what he should do, right? 
The same kind of goes for you. I mean, Arca, as I said, it gets a bad rap for being very equipment-based, top-heavy, but that's kind of the truth. I mean, it is, and you understand that too. So what do you say to those people that say, well, eh, Sammy Smith, whatever, he's in the best stuff. Of course, he's going to win. That's what he's supposed to do. I'm not sold yet. I, I'm not a believer, so to speak. What do you say to those people or those quote-unquote haters? Yeah, I think, honestly, probably, you know, at the – end of the day i mean you can if you're in a good good equipment you know you got to win but i feel like at the end of the day you know that's i feel like in super late models and late mall stocks and trying to trying to go there and, and win and then just win everything i can you know honestly i really don't don't really care what people say i feel like um at the end of the day if, if you're winning i feel like then you're doing something right so i feel like mm-hmm. good equipment or not i feel like it's you know if if you want that opportunity, then you can uh, definitely, I'm sure you can try to find the same opportunity as me and, and give it a shot yourself. So I feel like, uh, you know, people are going to talk and, and really that's, mm-hmm. that's about it. Everyone says, you know, if I was in that car, I'd do the same thing too. So, I mean, <laughs> have a shot. I mean, it's, it's whatever. <laughs> so I think, yeah. uh, you know, I'll just keep trying to do everything I can to win. And that's really all that matters to me. Everybody hates a winner, but winning will also shut a lot of people up and they'll end up swinging back your way. So I got no doubt that you'll yeah. make that happen. All right. Last thing I lied. What are you going to do after this? I feel like I didn't learn a lot about you. I, I wish I learned more about you. Open up a little bit. What, what's the rest of your day look like? What are you going to eat? What are you going to do? What time do you go to bed? Um, are you an early morning guy? Are you a late night guy? Like what's the deal? Probably finish up school here. Um, then I'll probably go for a, a little, little jog, a little run. I don't know. Are you totally online uh, for school? Yeah, I do online, so it's all, all online. I just kind of do it whenever I have to get stuff done and stuff, Must so I'll probably nice. finish that up. Yeah, do that, um, go for a run, and probably go play some iRacing and watch watch some video for this weekend around Pensacola. So get ready for that, and then uh, you know, do it all again tomorrow. What's your favorite food? Like, what do you eat? Um, I like steak. I like chicken. I like... Like Jimmy John's, I eat Jimmy John's a lot. All right, um, but really, really not picky. I'll eat anything, so it doesn't it doesn't really matter to me. Okay, I lied. Last, last, last thing. This off season, since Arc is over now, we gonna see in the Snowball Derby any other big races in the off season? Yeah, I'll be. Uh, I really, really isn't an off season. I guess I'll run Phoenix at the end. <laughs> yeah, the end of the year, and then I'll run. I think I got six or seven more Super races. So. And then I think the Snowball Derby ends this, the first or second week of uh, December. Um, and then I think the first race I, I'll be able to do is Cordial in uh, in January. So cool. there's a little bit of off time, probably a couple of weeks, but I feel like, uh, you know, it's just racing, racing. That's all, that's all I do. That's my takeaway from this conversation. You are a racer. It's kind of all you do. You wake up, you, you think about race. You go to the track, you race. You come home, you're on iRacing. You're watching tape. You're working out to be better at racing. So as cliche as that is, Sammy Smith, I think you are the ultimate racer. Congratulations. You have that moniker. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, I, man. Uh, I'll, I'll keep, uh, keep digging to try to try to keep winning every uh, series I go into. So just got to keep working hard. Yes, sir. Well, thank you for the time today. I so appreciate it. I know it's been a long chat, but I'm glad that I got to know you a little bit better. I'm sure the listeners are going to be glad to yeah. learn a little bit more about the newly crowned Arkham Menard Series champion. I lied. Last, 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 last thing. Where's the trophy? Uh, I didn't get it yet. They they said I'll get it at the banquet. So I think that's oh. a, I don't know when the banquet will be. I assume probably that's PRI lame. week, but yeah. 
but yeah, I'll uh, have to put it somewhere good in the house for sure. Yeah. All right, Samuel. Well, thank you for your time, man. Best of luck the rest of the year, and we'll be seeing you down the road. Awesome. Thanks for having me on. And we're back. And that's it. I told you. No Roval, no Texas talk. A little bit of a shorter episode this week. I, I will say, I did not watch the Roval live. I did see highlights, hence my TikTok. Uh, I'll just say one thing about the Kevin Harvard Chase Elliott thing. I don't know why NASCAR had to get involved. They didn't. Let, let it play out naturally. These are two champions. They know how to handle themselves. They know how to handle their business. It seems like everything was done and over with, so I don't know why they had to kind of get involved and make themselves part of the story, but hey, they get paid the big bucks. I do not, so I hope that they uh, made the right decision there. And in terms of Texas, I probably most likely will be able to watch most of, if not all, of the races coming Sunday. Going to find some random sports bar in Sedona and try to pop a squat there and tweet out some content there for you so keep it locked on my social channels and i'll be back and better than ever this coming week back home in dc scheduled to fly home early in the week tiktok will be a scheduled podcast will be a scheduled everything will be back to normal i keep saying that it's kind of like not normal but i hope that for you guys listening and watching everything seems kind of normal like the tiktok was out the podcast is out the videos are getting tweeted out stuff is on youtube stuff is on my instagram you know what i mean so I hope everything's good for you guys. And I really, really appreciate you guys listening, sticking with me, and being so supportive. It is freezing out here. Oh, my God. I could say so many inappropriate things about how cold it is out here. But I'm just going to stop right there, and I will catch you guys on the flip side. This has been episode 129 of Victory Lane on the road. I am freezing. I will catch you on the flip side next week when I'm warm and inside. Enjoy Texas, even though it's Texas. And I'll talk to you guys next week.